It's 5.30. I'd like to call this meeting of the Plan Commission to order. I'd like to remind everybody who's here that this would be a good time to turn off your cell phones or make them silent. There'll be consequences if you don't. Uh, we have a quorum. Is anyone registered for public comment? Communications, disclosures, and recusals? Mr. Polesky. I had a conversation with one of the residents near the proposed gas station in Sigur Cow and Freedom Ring. I don't believe that it will affect my decision. I'm not even sure you need to disclose that. Do they? Okay. Mr. Rui? I, I forgot. I believe it's item number nine. I live in the neighborhood. Pull the mic a little closer to you. I'm sorry, what? Pull the mic a little closer okay. to you. Thank you. Item number nine, I live in the neighborhood of uh, almost a mile away and uh, I'm aware of some of the neighborhood's concerns, but I've not discussed it. And I feel I'm able to make an impartial decision. Thank you. Anyone else? Um, on item number nine, also, I know the Torty family. I've known them for 25 years. It won't affect my ability to chair the meeting or to vote if it becomes necessary. Um, mi uh, minutes of the June 13th uh, meeting. Is there a motion approved? Moved by Mr. Cantrell, seconded by Mr. Rui. A discussion of the minutes? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Opposed, no. That passes unanimously. Uh, note the schedule of meetings, July 11 and 25, August 8 and 29, plus the special meeting on August 15th. Anybody need to share that they won't be here for those meetings? I'm a little concerned about quorums in the summertime. Mr. Shepard? Um, I gave notice earlier that I will not be here for July. I think I won't be back until the last meeting in August. And, and will that include the, fifth, the meeting on the 15th? I will not be here for the 15th. Thank you. Um, Mr. Rui next. Well, I repeat, prior to the August 5th meeting, 15th meeting being scheduled, I had already said I could not make it. Okay. I believe we have a bare quorum. Uh, Ms. Berger. Yeah, um, I had um, gone on as a maybe for the August 15th meeting, and I will not be here. I will be out of town. Okay, thank you. And Mr. Cantrell. I will not be here for the August 15th meeting. Okay, thank you. Um, I think we better check again and make sure we still have a possible quorum. That brings us to routine business. Uh, items one, two, three, and four. Do we have any registrations on routine business? No. Okay, then I'll just read them off. Uh, item one, Legistar 43129. A resolution declaring need for the Housing Authority of Dane County to exercise its powers within the City of Madison. Item two, Legistar 43321, sanitary sewer easement from Melanie Ramey across property at 217 North Meadow Lane. Item three, Legistar 43350. Uh, 
a garden and maintenance agreement with the um, Goodman Brothers Community Center to maintain gardens located in the East Main Street right-of-way between 2nd and 4th Streets. And item 4, Legistar 43356, authorizing the mayor and city clerk to execute an easement amendment pertaining to the sanitary sewer easement across property located at 1800 Winona Way. Is there a motion on uh, routine business? Moved by Mr. Cantrell, approval moved by Mr. Cantrell, seconded by Mr. Polevsky. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Opposed, no. Uh, it passes. Um, I believe we can handle uh, the Secretary's report before 6.15. Sure. Just a couple items of note on your upcoming agenda, including one item that's not listed for July 11th, but we can confirm uh, that the Planning Commission will be reviewing the revised park impact fee ordinance at its July 11th meeting at 530. Uh, and also, you'll have an amended uh, plan development district for the Garver Feed Mill redevelopment on at 545 that night. Uh, the other items for July 11th are as noted. Coming up on July 25th, items of note include uh, four lots, uh, single-family development at the end of Burningwood Way uh, in the Cherokee Park neighborhood, uh, development on a couple lots in the Metrotech plan development on the east side at Milwaukee Street and Sparker Road, uh, as noted on the agenda, and a new eight-unit apartment building at 308 North Blair Street, and then also the Planning Commission will be reviewing a conditional use for the new Midtown Police Station at 4018 Mineral Point Road. Thank you. Anything else? That's it. Questions on the Secretary's report? Uh, I believe that's everything that we can take up prior to 545, so we will be informal for about eight minutes. We're back in session. I want to remind anybody who came in since I uh, mentioned it that this would be the perfect time to turn off your phones. Certainly put them on some sort of a silent mode. Uh, for those of you who aren't regulars here, I want to explain how we proceed. We begin with what we call a consent agenda, at which we take up every item that is not opposed, no one wishes to speak, has no controversy associated with it, or is being referred to a subsequent meeting. We dispose of them uh, all at once, and then we get back to the issues that will require more discussion. So in, in, in tonight's case, we will, uh, after we dispose of the consent agenda, we'll be down to two items. Uh, so <clears throat> I will start reading off the items on the consent and referral agenda. Uh, <clears throat> item 5, Legistar 41146. Um, an alteration to an approved conditional use at 425 West Washington Avenue is being referred to no specific date. Item 6, Legistar 41951, 
a, con a conditional use to allow renovation of an existing sorority house at 28 Langdon Street uh, to be placed on file without prejudice. Item 7, Legistar 42563, uh, consideration of a demolition permit and conditional use to allow two commercial buildings to be demolished and an automotive sales facility to be constructed at 5702 to 5712 Odana Road. Item 10, Legistar 42999, uh, conditional use to construct an outdoor eating area at 1001 South Whitney Way. That's on consent, as is item 11, uh, Legistar 4300, uh, con uh, conditional use for renovations and additions to Whitty Hall, 615 West Johnson Street. I have a number of registrants. I'll read those off as well on item 10. Uh, Frank Peregrine, 1212 Gilbert Road, Madison, representing Cambridge Winery in support available to answer questions. And on item 11, uh, Mike Kinderman, 3624 Odana Road, in support available to answer questions. Aaron Williams, Williams uh, 30 North Mills, in support available to answer questions. Nathan Novak, 44 East Mifflin Street, in support available to answer questions. And Mark Paschke, I believe, uh, 320 East Michigan Street, Milwaukee, in support available to answer questions. Um, does anyone wish to ask questions of any of the registrants? Seeing none, then a motion to approve the consent agenda with, as, as well as the referrals would be in order. Thank you, Mr. Cantrell, seconded by Ms. Berger. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Uh, they pass unanimously. Anyone who's here on the consent agenda can go enjoy the rest of your evening. Uh, which leaves us with items 8 and 9. Um, I'm going to take up item 9 first because we have just a couple of registrants and item 8 uh, has many, many registrants. So, item 9, uh, Legistar 42966, a conditional use to construct an accessory building. Uh, Exceeding 10% of the lot area and 800 square feet in floor area uh, at 933 Menominee Lane. Ms. Vaughn. Thank you. Before the commission this evening is a request for a conditional use to construct a one-story detached garage just over 1,000 square feet in the SRC1 zoning district. The proposed garage is a three-car garage with a material pallet consisting of board and bat and siding to match the existing house. Uh, the planning division believes that the proposed conditional use can meet the conditional approval, conditional use approval standards, given that the area is characterized by its predominantly residential character. The proposed accessory building being a garage is a, is a use in a structure commonly associated with residential um, development, and it is also incidental and subordinate to that principal use. The proposed accessory structure is located on the site in a manner that is sensitive to the historic building relationships, including maintaining one driveway access and consistency 
setbacks from Menominee Lane, and the proposed building material palette consists of more traditional building materials, including board and batten siding, um, to match the existing house and glass black windows, which maintains a similar design aesthetic that is already present on the project site. The planning division recommends that the plan commission find that the conditional use approval standards um, are met and approve the request to construct the detached accessory building at 933 Menom Menominee Lane. All of that said, given the number of public comments received to date regarding the applicant's request, none of which have been in support of the application request, but all of which have, been ident have identified design and compatibility as concerns in the detached accessory structure. Um, the plan commission may consider condition, adding conditions of approval to reduce the prominence of the proposed accessory structure along the street in an area where garages are commonly set back and detached accessory structures are not a common occurrence. Um, a few suggestions would include orienting the building more internally to the project site by turning the garage 90 degrees or setting the detached garage, garage back to a location that is behind the existing garage facade. The applicant has been made aware of the proposed design changes and is amenable to making them. That concludes the staff portion of the presentation. Thank you, Ms. Vaughn. We'll be back to you after the public hearing. Uh, I'll open the public hearing. Uh, the first registrant I'll call is the applicant, Obasi Torti, 933 uh, Menominee Lane, in support wishing to speak. Come on up, Mr. Torti. Uh, you've got three minutes. If you need an additional minute, we'll be happy to provide it. All right. Um, I just wanted to add that uh, I am sensitive to the uh, concerns of the neighbors and uh, am I'm willing to uh, uh, listen and work with them to, to make the uh, project a little more appealing or you know, look a little less imposing uh, on the property. Um, that's all I have to say. Just don't leave. There may be questions. Are there questions for Mr. Torty? There are not. Well, then, thank you. Uh, the next registrant is Jeff Weiner, 914 Menominee Lane. Opposed, wishing to speak. Mr. Weiner, come on up over here. And again, you have three minutes. If you need an additional one, we'll okay. be happy to provide it. I would just like to say I lived in Cherokee for 20 years. I live across the street and a few houses down. I'm concerned there are several lots in Cherokee that have open residential lots between houses. I do not want to see garages built in place of houses. I think that's an inappropriate use for a residential lot. I think it's going to stand out. I'm also concerned it's going to hurt our property value. We've already had property value go down in Cherokee and it's starting to take a rise now. I wouldn't like to see any of the character of Cherokee changed. A residential lot is to have a house built on it. It's not to have a garage. Uh, I understand that the property owner would like to do something with his property. Uh, that's understandable, but it, it should be something that looks like a residence. It, it should not look like a garage plot between two houses in a residential lot. If he is going to get approval to build there, I think it should have architectural character that make it blend in with houses. And it's, I do not want to see something that looks just like a, a garage standing between two residential houses. And I would hope it would have to have a design more than T111 siding, something modern, what you see in a development like Cherokee. We've had some recent houses built. 
Um, I don't think it's appropriate for T111 siding at this time. Most of that is in our neighborhood is, is going away and houses are being resided with other things besides standard T111 siding. Uh, I know the resident has good intentions, nothing against the resident. I just don't think it's appropriate use of the lot. Thank Questions you. Questions for Mr. Weiner? Thank you, sir. Yep. Uh, Alder Kemble, do you want to speak now or after I close the public hearing? After. Okay. Then I will close the public hearing. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Was that before I closed, Mr. Rui? You said that. Okay, so I haven't closed the public hearing. I had a question to Mr. Torty. Mr. Torty, come on back up, please. Uh, you you own two lots? It's uh, actually a combined lot. It, it was originally two lots. But two lots, but for the city apparently, for their own convenience, made it a, one, a single tax parcel. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why, why it was done. A uh, previous owner okay. combined them, yes. Uh, the other question is, you already have a two-car garage. Why do you need three more stalls? Why do I? <laughs> I do have two children. Uh, uh, they are One of them is of driving age right now and, and uh, started driving. Uh, the other one is right behind her, so uh, we will likely have four cars uh, at that house in short order. Uh, I do own other, other vehicles and a boat and various toys, so... I would like to store them indoors. Okay. Thank you. I think a lot of us have gone through multiple cars in a driveway, but uh, still stuck with a two-car garage. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Rui. Mr. Cantrell? I also... Uh, I, excuse me. <laughs> I have a question for you as well. Um, your, your site plan really doesn't um, illustrate any of the landscaping um, on your property. And, and when I drove out there... Um, uh, Saturday, I guess it was. I noticed there's some very large uh, trees um, kind of in and around that loop driveway area that you're proposing. Mm -hmm. In addition, there's some uh, trees and vegetation along, it appears along your property line, um, um, where you're proposing that um, driveway to be located. Um, and it looks like the, the driveway would remove that vegetation. Uh, some of the vegetation would, would go away. Uh, a large tree would stay. Um, um, the, the driveway, we're, we're uh, considering doing a, a drivable grass uh, sort of uh, material that would you know, actually be green as well. So. What's what's a drivable grass? Is that a, like a block? That's uh, sometimes it's a block. Sometimes it's a plastic mesh material that that will allow uh, support the weight of the vehicle, but I'm still allow grass to grow through it. I see. Okay, but the vegetation uh, where that driveway, the proposed driveway in front of your garage, that would be eliminated. Um, as I remember, there was your. Um, Along the sidewalk there, you have a lot of vegetation, which is, which provides a lot of screening, at least some screening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's another thing I, I'd, uh, I'd also consider is some plantings to possibly block block how the uh, how the building looks. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Torty. Now you can sit down. Thank you. <coughs> So, 
I, uh, at this point, unless there are further questions, I will close the public hearing. Uh, questions of staff? Alder Zellers first. Or Ms. Vaughn? Um, either um, Ms. Vaughn or um, Mr. Tucker. I'm wondering, is, is this uh, two full lots? I mean, would the owner be able to divide it into two lots or... Anyway, that's my question. The uh, the property is something that we call a zoning lot, and what it is is it's uh, uh, our research has shown that uh, our preliminary research has shown that it is two original uh, lots of record at the Register of Deeds office, and what typically happens is they're combined to a single lot for the purpose of simplification with sending a tax bill. It's done by uh, an owner somewhere down the chain, and through time you just get one tax bill rather than two. So it is possible that someone could, um, at a later date, come and establish and construct a house on the vacant lot. Uh, they would need to deal with compliance issues relevant to that um, that garage structure, though, because it's a conditional use approved and connected to the existing lot, the uh, eastern lot. Okay. Thank you. Let's see. Mr. Rui next. Okay. Thank you. So it is two lots, and the one is buildable. The vacant one is buildable? Yes. Okay. Um, And I, you probably have on record that some vacant lots have been built on in the last couple of years out in that neighborhood. I can't. Um, I think I believe I, I don't know about in that neighborhood, but it's right. common for us to see infill lots. We have neighborhoods that built out during a period of time, uh, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and um, for whatever reason, some lots were. Um, sometimes you might have an owner that purchased two lots that were adjacent, and they kept a lot. Uh, we were often refer to them as rainy day lots. You might have heard me say that before. And they are uh, developable lots. Oftentimes they have utility connections in the streets that are available for tapping in sewer and water in the future um, because those utilities are planned to face those lots. So yeah, I guess if I recall, two vacant uh, lots were infilled on uh, Red Cloud last year uh, in that same neighborhood with houses. Okay, thank you. Uh, Alder Carter next. Yeah, this is for... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get your light on. Okay. Um, for Jessica, on this lot, how is the garage blending in with the house? Because we really can't tell with what was submitted. Did you see anything that has a little bit more detail that it won't look like just a garage separate? You know what I'm saying? Well, the, yeah. Did you see the building elevation? So I know it's not really clear from the elevations, but they are right. material-wise, it's, it's a pretty consistent material palette. Um, other, other than that, it's like, a, you know, they're doing a... a a half gabled pitched roof. Um, that's a little bit more of a modern style, but um, at the end of the day, it's pretty set back. And like with, with the material palette, I feel like it's it's pretty consistent with what's existing out there. Well, the Carter, does that conclude your question? 
for now. Thank you. Mr. Cantrell. Uh, this is for Ms. Vaughn. Um, what's, what would be permissible uh, uh, for an accessory building? Um, I believe in the, re in the report you said an 800 square foot detached garage is permissible under this district. That's that's correct. So the reason we're here this evening in conditional use, the discretionary review process, is the square footage of the building. Um, by right, they could do an 800-square-foot building. Um, anything over that requires conditional use. Does that conclude your question, Mr. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Mr. Shepard? Um, for Jessica also, just a quick follow-up to that. Um, what, if any, oversight will there be if, if the applicant wishes, wishes to build a new garage right now, 800 square feet or less, what oversight does the city have for that, either Jessica or Matt, either one? In terms of how the garage is used? In terms of will they have to pull any permits or will there be any city inspectors that will have to come out and look at the property? So they'll go through the, the required final steps, which include the building permit phase as well as the inspection phases. Um, and then any sort of use um, on the project site will be left to code compliance, complaint-based. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mr. Rui again. I'm, I'm getting confused on one issue. Uh, tax, it was a tax, single tax parcel for, for convenience of building purposes, but, and I'm not sure who to ask, uh, but at the same time it's two separate platted lots, and the one platted lot is vacant, nothing on it. So I'm a little confused why we're considering it one lot uh, only because it was on, for tax purposes, but in, in reality, it's two lots. Sure. The, uh, <clears throat> me, the zoning code includes a concept that's called a zoning lot. And what a zoning lot is, by definition, is a lot or a series of lots that are located within a single block that are being used uh, at the time of uh, building permit issuance and zoning uh, certificate issuance as a single unit. So uh, if, you, if I ever showed you a map of the city that we might look at some of the old high schools like East High School, you'll see there are many platted lots that lie underneath East High School, but East High School is one single large lot in a block. This is a, a, just a much smaller version of that. They have a uh, two lots. The house is definitely pulled to one side, but from a zoning perspective, the way the zoning code works, it looks to the perimeter of both of those contiguous common ownership lots for uh, issuance of the zoning certificate. Now, if circumstances change, say they wanted to reestablish the single lot for the purpose of uh, developing a new single-family home, and the garage is placed too close to the lot line that exists and the lot of record, they will have to resolve that by the demolishing the garage, removing it, or attempting to obtain a variance or something along those lines. The zoning lot concept is a way that, that zoning kind of gets out of the way of a development site that is uh, effectively uh, cross-connected or commonly used, shared across a series of lots in a single block. I guess I'm having trouble grasping that it's not a vacant lot. It, it is a vacant and developable lot. If they wanted to come in and put a gazebo on there because they liked the yard and the landscaping that they had, we would issue them a permit for the gazebo. We would connect it to the zoning lot, which is the two uh, lots of record. They already have a gazebo. They already have a gazebo. Okay. That's, that must be how we did it then. <laughs> Mr. Rui, you finished? Thank you. John Doggett. Thank you.
Mr. Cantrell? Just to follow up with that, um, so if they built the garage straddling the lot line, would that uh, would they have to go through a certified survey map to tie those two lots together, or, or would just the 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 action or uh, of straddling that lot line tie those two buildings um, and the two lots together? For zoning purpose, if if they are building across a lot line, they have tied those properties together. Now, they we should also keep in mind that the building code is not going to let them build across a lot line. They'll have to put a firewall right down the inside of that lot line. The building code does not see the zoning lot. They see through that. Uh, we had uh, a case, though, similar to that in the past in uh, Mansion Hill where somebody had built a porch on the side of their house towards their vacant lot. And uh, they didn't go across the lot line, but the porch ended up being yeah, a couple feet away. And they had to tear that porch off or replant the lot line the minimum six feet away that the setback requires. They chose the latter, replanting the, the lot line to place it so they could keep the porch. So the answer to Mr. Cantrell's question is yes. So basically, uh, in order to build a detached garage, they have to recognize the, the setbacks within that district, the side setbacks, the front setback. As, as any type of uh, new building. Okay, I understand. Great. And if the property owner or any property owner with similar circumstances wanted to, to go through the formal process of dissolving the platted lot line and making one 26,000 square foot lot uh, before all of this, they certainly could, and it would in all likelihood be approved without issue. Anyone else? Alder Kemble, would you um, like to make some remarks? Sure. Um, this is actually my first time having a constituent before the plan commission. Um, so let me just give a little bit of history as I know it from my point of view. Um, in the beginning of May, the Obasis, Alice, and I mean the the Tortis, Obasi, and Alice uh, contacted me and the uh, Cherokee Park Neighborhood Association chairperson, letting us know that they were submitting um, this application. That was May sixth. Um, I asked them if they had informed their neighbors, and Alice uh, replied that they had informed their immediate neighbors and they were fine with, with the plan. Um, I don't know if the Neighborhood Association got the information at that time in May, at the time that the chairperson of the association received that, um, but I know in the last two weeks they've received the information, and that's when several public comments objecting to this um, have come out. This is a neighborhood where neighbors who live there have gotten, in the, in the year since I've been in Alder, have gotten tickets for parking their boats on the side of their houses, have gotten tickets for parking trailers with their snowmobiles on their own property on the side of their houses. Um, people in that neighborhood have boats and have snowmobiles and have cars. So it, it wasn't surprising to me that someone would want to build this kind of structure in that neighborhood um, and not being well versed in standards for conditional use I um, read staff's report and um, really appreciated that she took into consideration the objections of the neighbors and recommended the two potential conditions that you could um, adopt in um, in your potential approval of this 
So I, I don't have um, personal strong feelings one way or the other um, because I feel that this is a standard-based process, and you, you all know more than I do about it. But um, that's what I know from an alder's perspective. Thank you, Alder Kemble. <clears throat> is there a motion? Mr. Cantrell? Um, I'm going to be uh, recommending that uh, this uh, application be placed on file without prejudice. Seconded by Mr. Rui. Discussion, Mr. Cantrell? Um, I, um, I find that this uh, proposed use uh, of a little bit over a thousand square foot uh, detached garage is not really consistent and compatible with the with the neighborhood and I believe that it's not consistent with uh, condition number three under the conditional use the values and uh, use, uses and enjoyment of property in the neighborhood for purposes already established will not be substantially impaired I think that that the establishment of this oversized detached garage could could uh, 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 do that and um, um, I, I understand that uh, the applicant can build a 800 square foot garage uh, without uh, plan commission approval uh, and if, if the applicant chooses to do that then that's up to them I would uh, urge the applicant to um, consider staff's recommendations if they so want to proceed on that because I think that they were very valid um, uh, design uh, conditions that staff uh, suggested but uh, as a as a conditional use um, I believe that um, that this proposed use does not comply with the standards and therefore I'm recommending that it be placed on file thank you uh, Mr. Rui next thank you I concur with what Mr. Kentrell said uh, possibly I uh, uh, standards four and in a roundabout way, standard nine are not met either. Thank you, Mr. Blevsky. Um, I'm concurring, and I just wanted to add standard nine, but Mr. Root took care of it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anyone else? Anyone else on the motion? Then all those in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. No. Um, could we see the hands for no, please? Two no's. Okay, so the motion passes, but not unanimously. Thank you very much. Uh, that brings us to item nine. Legistar 42966. Consideration of a conditional use to construct an accessory building. I'm sorry, item eight. <laughs> Legistar 42744. Consideration of a conditional use to allow construction of an auto service station and convenience store at 4814 Freedom Ring Road. Uh, most of you I can see have not been here before. I want to explain uh, how we're going to proceed. We have, uh, is it two registrants for the applicant? Total three in support. Okay. Uh, we have two 
registrants who are going to lay out the project. I'm going to give them a total of six minutes. Uh, then I will take the first two registrants in opposition. And from then on, we will alternate uh, pro and con. So with that, staff report, Ms. Vaughn. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> uh, before the commission this evening is a request to construct an automobile service station with convenience store at 4814 Freedom Ring Road. As part of the application request, the applicant is proposing to construct a roughly 4,800 square foot multi-tenant building, including convenience store, a small commercial space on the second floor, and a, um, I'm sorry, small office space on the second floor, as well as an additional commercial space. As part of the planning division review of the proposal, staff has identified two key issues for the commission's consideration in their review of and deliberation of the development proposal this evening. For consistency with the conditional use approval standards with regard to standards number one and number three. Conditional use approval standard number one pertains to public health, safety, and general welfare and has been identified as a key issue given the location of the proposed gas station in proximity to a village of McFarland Municipal Water Well. The village of McFarland has contacted the city to express concerns about placing a gas station and underground storage tanks within approximately 1,200 feet of the village of McFarland's well number three. Given the concerns expressed by the village and staff, the applicant has proceeded and has submitted, successfully submitted an application to the state of Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection, otherwise known as DATCAP, for the review and approval of the underground storage tanks. DATCAP is, is the state agency that is responsible for the review and approval of underground storage tanks, such as those proposed as part of the applicant's proposal. DEFCAP has since issued a conditional approval for the applicant's request to place underground storage tanks on the project site. The Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources has also been part of the conversation with two letters having been submitted to the city. The DNR is the state agency that is responsible for review and approval of new wells and remediation of contamination efforts. Based on the conversations with the DNR and their most recent communication, the presence of the gas station will not impact the village's ability to upgrade the well in the future. The well's vulnerability assessment, however, will change, which will increase the frequency of the volatile off-site contaminant sampling at the well. The flow of underground water is generally to the west, which is away from the well. After modeling, the time of travel for any contaminants from the proposed gas station to the well is greater than five years, but less than 50 years. And the Village of McFarland does not currently have a wellhead protection plan in place to protect the Village of McFarland well number three or any other wellhead in the Village of McFarland. Staff believes that it is reasonable for the Planning Commission to consider the information thus provided thus far, as well as any other additional information provided by the applicant or the village during the public hearing when considering this application request. In order to meet the conditional use standard number one, Planning Division staff has recommended a condition of approval for the applicant to provide proof of compliance with the DATCAP conditional approval in the form of a permit to operate, which is their final step for the gas station to um, open its doors for operation. The second key issue that was identified by staff and as established by the public comments received to date is conditional use approval standard number three, which speaks to ensuring compatibility of uses in terms of operational characteristics and to Im implementing mitigation measures, if possible, of nuisance impacts, including lighting, noise, hours of operation. 
In order to meet the standards, staff recommends that the conditions of approval, um, employee mitigation measures of the potential nuisance impacts to consider um, given the proximity of the project site to surrounding residential development. Um, conditions that staff has included include limiting the hours of operation of the convenience store to 10 p.m., a condition prohibiting outdoor display, a condition of approval that fur further minimizes the site lighting on the north side of the project site, and a condition prohibiting the use of outdoor amplified noise. The planning division believes that the other applicable standards are met or can be met with the recommended conditions of approval, including all other conditional use standards and the supplemental regulations for automobile service stations and convenience store uses. If the Planning Commission can find that all of the approval standards, including those identified as key issues, specifically standard number one as it relates to public health, safety, and general welfare, and standard number three as it relates to uses, values, and enjoyment of surrounding properties, it should approve the conditional use request to allow the automobile service station and convenience store to be constructed at 4814 Freedom Ring Road. That concludes my staff presentation for this evening. Thank you, Ms. Vaughn. We'll be back to you after the public hearing. Uh, I will open the public hearing. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to call two registrants together. Steve Schulfer, 7780 Elmwood Avenue, who is the architect in support wishing to speak, and Pammy Sekow, is that... Uh, 2644 Granite Road, Fitchburg, in support wishing to speak. So, uh, if you want, I'll give you a combined six minutes, or I could give you three and then three, whichever. Combined okay. six is fine. Okay. Oh, thank you. Steve Schulfer with Schulfer Architects. Um, here today, uh, obviously seeking an appro approval for conditional use. And uh, what I wanted to illustrate here, without going through um, uh, Ms. Vaughn's uh, synopsis of, of what we're proposing, I wanted to just identify some of the things that we've done to um, try to improve this project. Uh, we have gone through two different neighborhood meetings as well as two different urban design commission meetings. Uh, and I feel like those are very fruitful uh, endeavors. Uh, we were able to make several modifications to the design, and I'd like to just highlight some of those uh, that I, I feel uh, have steered us in, in a good direction. Um, some of the si uh, several design changes include uh, moving the building towards Sigilkal Road, and that is in, in keeping with the uh, city ordinance, but we did uh, attempt to try to push it back a little bit. Um, so that is... Uh, 
uh, in keeping with the uh, more commercial neighborhood uh, feel. Um, we have changed the building design itself into a more residential style that was at the wishes of the neighborhood. Uh, we have uh, reduced the quantity of asphalt um, quite dramatically by a, a two of about 2,500 square feet. Uh, and with that, we have reduced parking by about 30% of the uh, stalls uh, shown on the site. We have added a screen fence around the entire perimeter of the lot, uh, and we have further pulled back that screen fence on the north side uh, here, offering uh, more green space uh, on the north side of the property, trying to, to give that benefit back to the neighborhood. Um, with the screen fence, we have added a dramatic amount of landscaping all the way around the perimeter and, and also within the, the confines of the screen fence as well. Um, we feel like that uh, provides a, a nice, comfortable uh, buffer to the site as well as nice transition to the residents. Um, we have reduced the light levels uh, both beneath the canopy and in and around the uh, parking lot site as well. Uh, we had worked with staff on that and uh, taken under consideration UDC's recommendations on that as well. Um, uh, and then furthermore, with, with the convenience store itself, we have also added the secondary use. Um, a tenant has yet to be identified, but uh, the use is being called a cafe, coffee shop, uh, that sort of uh, style. And you'll see that uh, approximately 1,200 square feet right on the corner of Freedom Ring Road and Sigel Cow Road. Um, that would offer some outdoor patio seating. Uh, we understand that that does need to come back for a secondary conditional use, but the thought is to really try to create a more um, uh, pleasant uh, residential feel that the, that the neighbors can use and, and appreciate. And uh, we hope that that brings in a pedestrian um, uh, side of the building as well, a four-sided architecture, if you will, uh, presenting a nice face to the uh, Freedom Ring side and Sigilco Road side as well. Um, so uh, that uh, basically concludes what I wanted to say. I, I uh, want to add to that or can we be available for you have, to get, you have to get close to the microphone. Sure. Uh, I think Steve has covered most of the points. Uh, I'm Hami. I'm the potential developer for this location. And uh, I was hoping I would speak a little bit later, though, because uh, some of them, uh, my comments may come as defense for some of the arguments that people oh, who are okay. against the issue. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought you, um, you know, wanted to make a unified presentation. So. Uh, we could kind of, I'll, but, he, all right, well, but then Steve then did cover most of the points. Then, of then, then I tell you what, we'll, I'll call you at the end. Okay, sir. So thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Can you give me the... All right. I'm going to call uh, two registrants in opposition in a row. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ms. Ms. Berger. You have a question for Mr. Schulfer? I did. Mr. Yeah. Schulfer, come on back up. I'm sorry. I missed, missed the light. I, I just wanted to ask one clarifying question. Um, you mentioned that you had um, reduced the lighting levels. I, I think you mean like the heights of the of the lights around the perimeter. Um, I saw at some point 17 feet was mentioned. At other points, I saw 14 feet, but I think staff was still 
um, hoping to have them down lower. I just wanted to clarify how low you had. Um, In many cases, we've actually eliminated the poles altogether. Eliminated them. Um, okay. And then we reduced the, the foot candle counts from what was at about 40 when we began the process to under 20 now. Okay. Um, in terms of pole height, um, we had settled in on down around... Nick, can you help me with Was it 14? Was, yeah, 14 is where we settled in. Okay, so that, that was, that's what was in our packet. Um, so that's still what you're thinking. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Shelford, you left a little too quickly. Alder Zellers? Um, yes, I'm just wondering, so your... Um, all the conditions that were in the staff report are acceptable to you? Is that correct? Yes. And um, the, uh, there were a few um, conditions that were uh, added um, at the re that Alder DeMarb is requesting. Have you had an opportunity to take a look at those? Those were, they, those were just passed out. No. Um, yeah, not, no, I don't believe so. Okay, no. so uh, maybe while we listen to the rest of the testimony, uh, Ms. Vaughn could give you a copy of those, and then later we can find out if you've got any issues with those. Okay, okay. thank you. Carter. I just have one quick question because I just can't remember if we discussed this. Um, are you going to be selling diesel at this gas station or is it all gasoline? I'm going to defer that to the owner. Then I'll wait till she comes up and I'll ask her. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Any other? Whoops. Any additional questions for this uh, registrant? Ms. Burger, did I just light you up by accident? Oh, okay. My fault. Okay. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to call two registrants uh, in opposition in a row. Um, first, Megan St. Clair, 4809 Freedom Ring Road, representing the Liberty Place Neighborhood Association, to be followed by Joanne Heil. It would be helpful if the second person was close in line because we have, I think, 19 people who want to speak, and it will just move things along. So Ms. St. Clair to be followed by Ms. Heil. Hi, my name is Megan. I am a registered nurse and mother of two small children. And um, this is the new view out of my front of my home. Um, so it's easy to see why we feel so impassioned by what we do. Some of the things that were already brought up are very important to us being lighting and noise. And I, we really do appreciate the things that have been taken into account as far as lowering lights and um, hours of operation. Just further consideration for that would really be appreciated. Not only the lighting that is supplied by the light poles, but by the cars themselves. We're asking for, you know, we are not asking, they are asking for increased um, car traffic and being parked across from not only our home, but our, our neighbors as well. And so we've asked for higher fences um, to be considered. And then also from four pumps down to three, that fourth pump is fully unopposed. So anybody that's parking there is in my bedroom window. Um, 
really not, not caring for this uh, entirely at all. Um, at any rate, so moving on from the, uh, the obvious, so hours of operation, consideration of car headlights, not just the lights on, on the poles on the property. Um, the conditional use property, which has already been brought up, what is the added value to our neighborhood? I don't know if any of you have driven out to our neighborhood, but it is a quiet residential neighborhood. There's many young. It's a starter family. All of the kids are small, in and out of the houses and across the streets, and there's already an issue of speeding and volume as, you know, volume uh, increases in our own neighborhood. That That is a, a major concern to me personally, but to my neighbors as well. Um, we have have four, four gas stations already within a two-mile radius. Why do we need another one? And why is it in the middle of a quiet residential neighborhood? Um, I, I don't want to steal thunder from people that are coming up to speak. We have organized a great deal around this because we are so impassioned and there's many points to speak on. 22 homes have gone on the market since the word of the gas station um, came available to our neighborhood in early spring. And while many of us know that there's a, a current booming market and some of the homes in our area are going very quickly, in our immediate area that's slowed. In the outer perimeters away from the gas station, they may move. The ones closest to it are stagnant. And the number one opposition that's given by potential buyers is the commercial lot, not specifically the commercial lot, but specifically a gas station being in the neighborhood. Um, I, I, I can't help but be biased because my home is across the street from it, um, but this is impacting us a, a great deal, and my investment is no longer a good investment, and it's out of my hands, or so I feel. So, thank you. Uh, questions from Ms. St. Clair? Alder Carter, did you wish to speak? Yes, located right here. So we're the first home in the neighborhood when you act, when we're like the entrance. We originally were the model home. Oh, I'm sorry. So this is the C-Store, this is Freedom Ring Road right here. This is my, this is my roof and my patio that I sit out on. I told my kids I'm not going out there in my bathing suit anymore. It's just a yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Ms. Berger? Um, sorry, one more follow-up. I think to build up that, I just wanted to, to be make sure that we were clear on um, what you were requesting. Elder DeMarb had um, submitted some um, additional conditions, and one of them was reducing the pump islands from four to three. And I just wanted to make sure we captured the nuance of what you were saying, is that, um, in your opinion, you'd like to see the northernmost... You know, one closer to the home. Exactly. Yeah, that one gone would be your ideal. Um, if you had to go down to three, that would be the one you'd like to go. Correct. Okay. Thank you. I have a question. Are, are you done, Ms. Berger? Yes. Uh, Alder Carter again? Yes. Can you point to which pump you're talking about that would affect the houses? This is the first that I've seen of these actual sure. things. <laughs> so where are the actual pumps on here? This one here? Uh, it's three in a row, four in a row, vertical. Um, Ms. St. Clair, you, you need to be by the microphone, please. I'm just looking to find out where it is. I, I understand. <laughs> so the fourth, the fourth one here, the topmost, that's unopposed to the view out to the streets. So, yeah, it's not like I'm sitting right here, but it's just the glare of the lights and people pulling in and out and waiting to pull up to the pump. The other point, too, is the hours of operation of 10. While that might be great for in within city ordinance in a sleepy neighborhood, our kids are all in bed by then. And, um, again, with those four additional gas stations around us, if I really need milk that bad after 9 o'clock, I can go a mile and get it. 
Anything else? Anyone else? Thank you, Alder Carter. Thank you, Ms. St. Clair. Uh, the next registrant is Joanne Heil, 5175 Brandenburg Way. Opposed wishing to speak to be followed by Dan Corey. Good evening. The safety concerns regarding the Freedom Ring Road proposal should start with a discussion on the impact of adding a traffic generating gas station and convenience store directly inside of an area that is strictly residential. The safety of residents should be of paramount concern and the proposed gas station intentionally brings traffic into the neighborhood by nature of the proposed and the existing traffic patterns. Vehicles needing to head east on Sigelkow Road during peak times are going to avoid long lines on Freedom Ring and drive in and through the neighborhood. When you look at a map of Liberty Place, you can see that the only other entry to Liberty Place from Sigelkow is Freese Road. Otherwise, the final option to depart the neighborhood is via Valor Way all the way up to Minders to Triangle and finally over to Vogues, which takes a driver to Route 51. The additional traffic generated by any backups along Freedom Ring sends increased traffic through a residential neighborhood where children are at play or en route to and from school. The peak times for the vehicle traffic are also peak times for children to be either en route to school or at play. This also causes concern for those trying to catch the Madison Metro Route 31 bus. A reasonable person can conclude it will become more challenging for the riders to get to their stops and also for the bus drivers needing to maneuver through additional traffic which will affect their on-time rates. Unfortunately, the safety concerns do not end there. Over the last 10 plus years, scientific studies have been conducted to address the potential health hazards of gas stations located in residential areas. Toxins in the air have been shown to be detrimental at distances of up to 100 meters, and scientists in multiple studies recommend keeping gas stations at a minimum of anywhere from 50 to 100 meters away from the closest home. Gasoline vapors are released while people fill their cars at gas pumps. When gasoline vapors are released continuously into a residential neighborhood, the residents in the closest proximity to the station are therefore continually exposed to carcinogens such as benzene, which is a known cancer-causing chemical according to the National Institutes of Health. Continuous exposure to the vapors released due to the use of gas pumps can cause respiratory problems such as asthma. Additionally, a study published by Johns Hopkins in 2014 shows that routine gas spills from customers at the pump have significant impacts over time on soil and groundwater contamination in neighboring residential areas. It is reasonable to conclude that the long-term exposure to the vapors that will be released by the gas station into Liberty Place, as well as the gasoline that will seep into the local water table, will have an adverse effect on the health and safety of the residents, including the children. Are there questions for Ms. Heil? Seeing none, thank you. Uh, the next registrant is Dan Carey, 6102 Sledding Parkway, McFarland, in support, wishing to speak, to be followed by Christopher St. Clair. Uh, my name is Dan Carey. Um, chose to voice my support for the project tonight based on my familiarity with Pommy and her existing stores in Cambridge and Evansville. 
Um, those are the two, the only two stores Palmy operates, and I can say she's got a long-standing track record of success in those small communities. Um, that's because she takes an active role in her stores. Um, she's very proactive in maintaining a high quality uh, of product as well as safety concerns and any any concerns for neighboring com community members um, that may be brought to her table. Um, I know that she's got a good reputation, and I think that's key going into this district if it's going to work. Obviously, there are a lot of viable concerns when you look at a convenience store gas station close to a residential neighborhood. I wouldn't necessarily be in support of a convenience store if, if not for my familiarity with Palmy. Um, if it was a chain store uh, where you don't necessarily have an owner with a vested interest that's going to oversee things on a, on a daily basis, I think that's a much different dynamic than this. Um, that all said, you know, I understand the concerns. I look at the fundamentals of that site, and it has been listed as a vacant lot for many, many years. Um, so I question the financial viability of something else going in there because there have been opportunities um, to be marketed as such and it hasn't transpired. Um, so thus, I'm in support of, of development. Um, I think if done correctly, under higher standards than normal given its location, it can be successful. Um, Pommy will commit to being a partner in the, in the community. Um, and although this is the city of Madison, obviously it acts as its own separate community um, based on its vicinity, being on the outer boundaries of Madison and as well as being a residential neighborhood. Um, it's a high traffic area. The commuter flow is such that it goes single cow to 51 to the Beltline. Um, it's a convenience added feature, which is what the Marsh neighborhood plan did call for, um, a convenience added business use with convenience added trips. So when I see it meet all of those standards and then followed by the track record of the operator going in there, I do choose to voice my support for it. Questions for Mr. Carey? Seeing none, thank you. Uh, the next registrant is Christopher St. Clair, 4809 Freedom Ring Road, uh, opposed wishing to speak, representing the Liberty Place Neighborhood Association, to be followed by Cody Lundquist. Welcome, Mr. St. Clair. Hi. Um, as you heard, my, my name is Chris, and my wife, uh, Megan, um, we live in the same house uh, with two children, um, so you, you guys are familiar with where I live. Um, you know, I, I wanted to start by saying, obviously, as Megan said, that being that I'm across the street, that's going to drive a lot of my opinion. Um, but as the vice president of the neighborhood association and also as um, a member of the steering committee, uh, what's most important today is the voice of the neighborhood as a whole. Um, so we did some some surveying and, and gathered some data. Um, so our neighborhood has 199 single-family homes, um, and uh, of of those homes, 163 households responded to our survey, and 84% came back saying that they directly opposed having a gas station located on this property. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure that I voiced that that was very strong within the neighborhood. Um, of the concerns that. Came Came up. Uh, we mentioned the safety was already spoken on. Uh, we mentioned um, the lighting and the noise pollution in the neighborhood, which obviously is going to be more impactful to those like myself that live um, in such close vicinity to it. Um, we also have concerns about traffic flow, uh, and I do understand that the city of Madison conducted a traffic study, which we appreciate. However, um, it did not 
fully capture the traffic in the area because the McFarland School District, uh, which multiple schools located right close to Sigal Cal Road, was closed at the time that the traffic study was conducted. Um, McFarland Schools open at 7.55 a.m., peak hours from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. It's reasonable to conclude that there's going to be additional traffic from McFarland on Sigal Cal Road um, associated with that. In addition, um, we have 43 families out of the 199 households in our neighborhood that open and roll into the McFarland School District. Um, so there's additional north-south traffic that are going to be going across the Gokal Road, again, during that peak time in the morning. Um, so I feel that that's a very important nature. Um, at this point, most of those kids are young, and they're in cars with parents. But pretty soon, a lot of those children are going to be biking, walking to school. Um, and again, anything that impacts the traffic um, is, is going to be a big deal. Um, uh, so that's, that's pretty much what, what I'm here to speak on today. Um, you know, the, again, 84% of the neighborhood was very against it. Um, uh, you know, the, I know we have other neighbors that are going to get up and speak as well. Um, the village of McFarland is going to speak. Their neighbors, their constituents are going to speak as well. Um, uh, you know, what value are we adding to the neighborhood? Um, there might be some value in the convenience, um, but ultimately we need need to look at what negatives might come as well and is that going to outweigh it do you need any uh, any additional time no? okay uh, questions from mr. st. Clair seeing none uh, the next registrant is Cody Lundquist 4668 Star Spangled Trail neither supporting nor opposing but wishing to speak to be followed by Kelsey Boyd uh, thanks for uh, being here tonight. I want to thank uh, everybody for kind of taking the time to show up. Um, I'm the president of the Neighborhood Association, and this was something that we've been considering seeing for a long time. And we've had a lot of local neighbors say they oppose it for a number of reasons, safety, children. We got There's a lot of crosswalks we're missing in our neighborhood. Amongst other traffic issues we have in our neighborhood, this kind of compiles, this kind of jumps on top of it a little bit. And we have asked for a number of things, and I do appreciate some of the changes that were made to kind of try to help, to kind of go our way a little bit to help us to reduce some of the lighting and do some of the things. Um, but one of the biggest things that keeps coming up to me as a president of the Neighborhood Association is value. Yes, well, we, I mean, I can, probably value across the street is going to be lost. I mean, I think it would be kind of naive to think it wouldn't be lost. But value within the area of what's it bringing when we have multiple gas stations, convenience stores, and um, supermarkets within a very two-mile radius. And what's it going to bring? Is it going to bring business to other businesses? There are no other businesses there. It's homes. It's apartments. There's no other business anywhere near it. So it's not going to be bringing extra traffic in to build up. It's not going to be bringing more jobs to the area. It really is there for the people two miles up the road coming down that are building with some of the neighborhoods being built in McFarland. And that's kind of, that's why this popped up. I mean, Juniper Ridge is being built in McFarland, some new neighborhoods two miles down the road are being built. And this is now a location after 10 years of being empty that looks like it could be a moneymaker, which is understandable. But we look at the value, and my neighbors keep saying to me, Cody, what's the value? What's it bringing to our neighborhood? What's it going to give to us? What's it giving to the area? We can get to so many of these things already. So... It's just kind of one of those things where they, they bring it to me, and I, I say, I don't know. I don't know these things. I'm, I'm a special education teacher in McFarland. I don't know what value brings. Um, but I want to just bring those concerns to you. I mean, I don't live far enough. I live pretty far enough away where honestly it doesn't impact me totally, except for when I cross 
to the car road to go to work every single day, and sometimes I bike, so I'll be dealing with a lot of that with sometimes my son and my brulee. But, you know, um, I just think of when my neighbors come to me asking those things, I just hope to have some good answers to bring to them um, if this does get approved. So, thank you. Questions for Mr. Lundquist? Seeing none, thank you. I want to point out that the rest of the speakers will be in opposition, except for the applicant who has to be moved to the end. So uh, because there's about 15 more people, if you could avoid repetition, it would be helpful. Uh, as I said, the next registrant is Kelsey Boyd, 5195 Milwaukee Street. McFarland opposed wishing to speak, representing the village of McFarland to be followed by Andrew Jack. Welcome, uh, Ms. Bo uh, Boyd. Good evening. I'm Kelsey Boyd, and I am the finance director for the village of McFarland. Um, tonight I am here speaking on behalf of the elected body in McFarland. Un unfortunately, they're very passionate about this issue, and they would have loved to have come and addressed you personally, but our regularly scheduled board meeting starts in about 14 minutes, so they are there dealing with that, so you get me instead. Um, in the plan commission packet tonight, um, you should have received uh, several letters from our trustees. One of them would be from Brad Zaboder, our village president, Jerry Adrian, the chair of our public safety committee, Mary Pat Lytle, the chair of our public utilities committee, Claire Utter, the chair of our public works committee. All of these letters discuss the opposition to the gas station coming in in this location. And the primary opposition has to do with public safety, health, and welfare. As you all know, the siting of this location is approximately 1,200 feet from our wellhead. You're going to hear 1,200 feet talked about a lot tonight um, as that is supposed to be the safe distance for a business such as this to be safe from your well. Um, safe distance to us is a misnomer. There's going to be a lot of presentations about computer generated models and expert opinions but for us we've already felt um, the, the issue with 1,200 feet. Um, several years ago, McFarland had a well that was contaminated from a business that was located 1,800 feet from the well. We tried like heck to save that well. We spent hundreds and thousands of dollars trying to save that well, as did the business owner. Eventually, it couldn't be saved, and the well was abandoned, and it's sitting there empty to this day. So it is on that nature that we feel so strongly that we are opposed to this. There is no guarantee from computer-generated models. It is just a model. Um, we want guarantees to provide our 8,000 residents safe, clean drinking water, not only today, but for years to come. And the decision that is made tonight is going to affect not only our generation and our residents, but our children and our grandchildren. So we hope that you keep that in mind. And I'm just going to read the last paragraph out of our President Zaboder's letter. 
A gas station requires a conditional use permit precisely so the plan commission can determine whether the use outlined will be detrimental to or endanger the public health, safety, or general welfare of the public at large. While the village of McFarland does not oppose the commercial development of the property in question, we are suggesting that the conditional use permit standards have not been met in regards to allowing a gas station at this location. Sum up in about a minute. Yep. Therefore, I'm urging the plan commission to deny the conditional use permit for a gas station at the corner of Sigelkow and Freedom Ring Road for the long-term well-being of our residents and the generations to follow. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Boyd. Don't go away yet. Are there questions for Ms. Boyd? Then thank you. Uh, the next uh, registrant is Andrew Jacques, Ph.D., uh, 216 and a half West Main Street, Mount Horeb, representing the village of McFarland to be followed by Brian Burquist. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, my name is Andy Jock. I'm the chief scientist of a company called Water Quality Investigations. I'm a registered engineer in the state of Wisconsin, and I have a PhD in environmental engineering with a minor in hydrogeology. A central issue here is whether the proposed service station poses a risk to the village of McFarland's well number three. City staff provided comments to you regarding this issue, which include two comments that need further clarification. The first comment is that groundwater flow is generally to the west, which is correct, but misleading. Natural groundwater flow in the area is interrupted by the pumping of McFarland's well number three, which creates an induced low spot in the water table at the well's location. This low spot creates a reversal of groundwater flow uh, direction in the immediate area surrounding the well because over time this low spot becomes lower and lower with, with continued operation of, of, of the well. Um, this means that current groundwater flow at the proposed service station site is being induced, induced to flow towards well number three, not away, which makes the village's well vulnerable to activities at the proposed service station. The second comment is that there is a 50 to, I'm sorry, a 5 to 50 year time of travel for groundwater to flow from the proposed service station site to McFarland's well number 3, which is based on a model developed by Wisconsin Geologic Survey. When reading this statement, you need to understand the following. Number one, groundwater models are mathematical models based on available data, which can be used to assess what could happen, not to predict with absolute certainty what will happen. Um, think of this is general for this is true for all models and think of weather models that are often incorrect and change this so the, the groundwater model is no different number two the groundwater model uses general and detailed data that was gathered uh, from existing wells to predict groundwater movement none of McFarland's wells were analyzed in detail to develop this new model um, with wells used to build a model often located miles apart in addition the model has limited geologic information to the west of McFarland's well number three. So assessing this in, uh, together suggests there's uncertainty in the model to predict groundwater movement in the vicinity of the proposed service station project because of lack of information uh, in, that, in that general area. Number three, the time of travel estimates do not factor in how groundwater movement changes with time with the continued pumping of wells, which would decrease the travel time as that low area develops. The groundwater model that's been developed can perform this analysis, but the information that you've been given doesn't include that analysis. It's basically a static analysis. Uh, number four, the groundwater model does not factor in short-circuiting that could occur with the presence of vertical fracturing in the bedrock. 
I, you have a handout that shows that there are four large block faults, about one mile square each, that are located about a mile to the northeast of well number three. It appears that these blocks fell about 250 feet at some point in history, likely when the Appalachian Mountains were created. Um, can you summarize in another minute or so? Yes, I can in another Thank minute. You. Yep. So we know that when this type of block faulting is present, there's often uh, faults that are parallel to it um, that, that then could be in the area of, of this proposed gas station. From an overarching perspective, uh, the DNR originally opposed the location of the service station, probably because of how the well is constructed to an old code. A new code requires all wells to be cased down through the Eclair shell formation. This well is not. It's open to the Wanawak, which then has some, some uh, fractures in it, which then make it more susceptible to contamination that's on the surface. Um, the DNR code requires a minimum setback of 1,200 feet between a well and a potential contaminant source such as a gas station. Under the city's own ordinance, now this is a minimum, underneath the city's own ordinance, a well a service station at this site, if the well down the street were in the city of Madison, you would require, you, you would have to give special uh, uh, consideration to that location. So if we look at all the issues with groundwater modeling and the uncertainty that's there, um, would you approve this well if it was, would you approve this location if the, if the, street, the well down the street was yours? Questions for Mr. Jacques? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. The next uh, registrant is Brian uh, Berquist, 2927 Marketplace Drive, Madison, opposed wishing to speak, representing the village of McFarland, to be followed by Brian Berger. That's still me. Yes. Um, we work as the village engineers in McFarland and have for uh, the last two decades. Part of the role of village engineer is, is to assist the community in managing, planning, protecting its infrastructure. Its uh, municipal infrastructure is very long-lived, uh, in many cases 50 up to 100 years oftentimes for pipe and certainly wells. Part of that role is also to mitigate risk for these long-lived infrastructure items. Uh, by way of history, Kelsey mentioned uh, back in the late 80s, one of the village's wells became contaminated by a source just over 1,800 feet away, uh, one and a half times what's being proposed uh, tonight. That well did have to be closed. Parallel to that, uh, well three has been operating. It was constructed in the 70s. Uh, as Andy indicated, it is not to modern-day standards, and that is why we're concerned. Parallel to that, in the early 2000s, the village saw development happening on Single Cow Road, contacted the city, uh, wrote a letter to city engineer at the time, Larry Nelson, notifying him of the presence of that well and asking that the well be considered for any city development along that corridor. Uh, Mr. Nelson replied that uh, he would include that well in the city's wellhead protection ordinances and their overlay districts. As the economy slowed, the village continued to watch this corridor and was certainly alarmed to see this proposed project in place 
and was further surprised to hear that this well was not included in the city's wellhead protection overlay districts. At this point, we are imploring that you reject this project. Parallel to that, the village will be pursuing its own wellhead protection district, likely to be well in excess of a five-year travel time, more indicative of the life of the well, and also likely very similar to what Fitchburg currently does, which is to include all of a parcel that is within 1,200 feet of a well, which would also negate this project. Thank you. Are there questions for Mr. Burquist? Seeing none, thank you. The next registrant is Brian Berger, 4802 Valor Way, opposed wishing to speak to be followed by Jeff Sorensen. Welcome, Mr. Berger. Thank you very much. Thanks for a few minutes to speak. So I'm a resident of the neighborhood and definitely concerned about the possibility of a gas station being so close to my residence. It's a few hundred feet away. Concerned for, you know, I have four children, noise pollution, light pollution, hours of operation, fumes, the people hanging around the gas station at 10 o'clock at night. You know, even in the summertime, my kids are in bed by 9, so, I mean, it's kind of late. So, you know, I don't think that, you know, looking at the plan report, that the layout of the design of the building should be compatible with the residential character of the neighborhood. You know, I don't think a gas station is compatible with the residential character of the neighborhood. You know, the fact that it's combined with a coffee shop, great. I think a coffee shop alone would be a lot better choice for the neighborhood setting than it is. I don't think the gas station is a very good fit. And so I'm not an expert on details, but it also says vehicle-oriented activities should occur along the Siegel Cow Road side of the site. But we've got the plan shows, you know, driveways, obviously, on Siegel Cow and Freedom Ring. You know, also concern about the abandoning of the well. So, you know, more frequent testing. It doesn't seem like it can catch it in time. Where a test three years before the well was deemed unsafe didn't catch that. And so that's definitely a concern. And I, you know, I have to believe that if it was your house that was across the street, down the street, right next to this site, that you would oppose it. And that's conjecture. But that's just, you know, if you'd put yourself in my shoes or some of the other neighbor's shoes, I think you'd see that there's, you know, there's a lot better choices for this. I know it's an empty lot. I'm sure the seller wants to sell, develop on it. I think there's other better choices for a business that would be more conducive to the neighborhood other than a gas station, obviously just aside from the safety concerns. Questions for Mr. Berger? Thank you, sir. The next registrant is Jeff Sorensen, 6404 Brendan Circle McFarland. Opposed wishing to speak, representing the Village of McFarland Planning Commission. Welcome. He'll be followed by Alan Colville. 
Thank you. First of all, thank you for your excellent service. I appreciate what you do. Um, as a member of the McFarland Planning Commission and as a registered engineer myself, I wanted to speak um, in opposition to this proposal. Multiple points that you've heard already this evening would cause the McFarland Planning Commission to turn down this, uh, this request. In fact, if it was flipped right across the road on the other side of Sigel Cow, we would be in, the, in that exact position. And that would be our decision tonight to uh, turn this request down. Um, it's not just the disruption, the traffic and the light, the light issues, what I perceive as an incompatible use, not compatible with the residential neighborhood, but most importantly, it's the threat to our well number three. You've heard that um, that well provides approximately 40% of the water for the village of McFarland, and we're very concerned about it as, as a result. As an engineer, we know that best practices are what are used, the standard of the industry at the time, but looking back on how things were done in the 50s and 60s, we know that that's not always the right answer. That's not really what ends up protecting the health and welfare of our, of our citizens. So um, terms such as not likely or minimize don't really raise our confidence in, in this being the right solution. We don't believe that standard one, number one um, is being met in this case. And I've heard some other comments tonight that uh, I found interesting. 84% of the neighbors who responded to the survey are against this. Likewise, I guess now you need to position yourselves to determine who the next owner of the property will be because we heard that so much of the weight of the success of this property, of the operation, will be on the owner. So how about the next owner? We just ask you to deny this conditional use request as not, um, not the right planning decision. Questions for Mr. Sorensen? Seeing none, thank you, sir. The next registrant is Alan Colville, 5907 Juniper Ridge, McFarland. Uh, opposed wishing to speak, representing the village of McFarland, to be followed by Brian Schubert. Thank you. Um, Alan Colville, I'm the Director of Public Works and Utilities for the village of McFarland. And I'd just like to thank, give you, uh, thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity to speak to you. Um, I'd like to start off by stating that water knows no political boundaries. We respect the city of Madison and don't normally speak about Madison zoning projects. That's your business. But we, when one of our wells is in the line of danger, it becomes McFarland's business. With all due respect, you have probably heard the guidelines which allow underground storage tanks in proximity to an active well. You have heard or read that if underground tanks are double-lined and have a monitoring system within that space, then the tanks can be placed closer than 1,200 feet to active wells as defined by the state. The definition even states that underground tanks can be placed as close as 600 feet if special conditions and protections are put in place. My question to you is that tanks are so safe, why can't they be put right next to wells? The reason that they are not allowed to be placed next to well is that engineers and designers are not 100% confident that the tanks will not leak or leach something that can be a contaminant to the groundwater. Looking back a few decades, one of the best thought-out products that could be used for water mains was lead. We all know what happened in Flint, Michigan with leaded water lines. 
At that time, the leaded water lines were installed. Everyone thought that was a good idea and a safe practice. Following that same logic, why would you want to allow tanks to be located so close to an existing municipal well? Common sense tells you that's just not a good idea. Over time, some of the tanks could leak. There could be spillage on top of the filling pad. The fuel could eventually, and the fuel would potentially be targeted towards the groundwater. We are told that 10% of a tank's product can be lost without having to notify anyone. This pertains to not only the current proposed owner, but also a future owner who neither Madison or McFarland will have a chance to talk to. And I know um, the present owner said that she would not like, uh, allow that to happen because that wouldn't be prudent. But what about future owners? You don't know what they're going to do. Our request is simple. Do not allow the underground storage tanks at this, at this location, which would have the potential to contaminate the village municipal well. This well is a legacy we pass to our children and grandchildren. Please consider this when making your decision. Thank you. Questions for Mr. Coville? Oops, what Thank you. The next registrant is Brian Schubert. Uh, 5010 Rustic Way, McFarland, opposed, wishing to speak to be followed by Lawrence Becker, I believe. Thank you very much uh, for this opportunity to speak to you in my opposition to this plan. Um, I appreciate everyone's opposition to this. My major uh, deal is that this is just yet another gas station where there's already several choices within a very short distance. I think the first opposition speaker said there's three or four within two miles. Actually, there's four within a, a mile and a half. The first one being a, a British Petroleum, which is uh, eight-tenths of a mile uh, further south, just off of 51. Uh, in the same direction, 1.1 miles is a quick trip, and then 1.2 miles is yet another BP. I mean, that's ridiculous in itself. In the opposite direction, uh, north on 51 towards the Beltline, uh, is a Sitco, which is 1.5 miles away. If you want to go further to a Beltline, there's two more options there. So I just think another gas station in this location is absurd. Thank you. Questions for Mr. Schubert? Thank you, sir. Uh, Lawrence C. Becker, uh, 2103 Raleigh Avenue, Madison, opposed. Wishing to speak? Did I get your name correct? No, but that's okay. It's well, Beckler, actually. Not a big deal. Thank you. To be followed by Sarah Caillou. Thank you. Um, you've heard a lot today that is, I think, very important. Um, not only does well number three provide 40% of the village's water supply, but which is not high by Madison standards, but this is a 1,000 gallons per minute well and it produces 1.44 million gallons of water a year. So it's not just trickling out at a slow pace or anything like that. The village's issues here are all related to standard number one for conditional use permits. So that the report that you have in front of you um, expressly recognizes that this gas station will increase the well number three vulnerability assessments as well as requiring increased uh, VOC monitoring at the well. Who's going to pay that bill? I assume the village is. A direct burden on the village caused by this particular well. Um, 
you've heard a lot of things already, which I will not repeat. Um, but I think what Mr. Colville said is very important. Not only does water know no boundaries, but pollution doesn't either. And the Monona tube case that was described uh, was, a, was really a disaster for the village. And so it is perhaps more sensitive to losing wells to contamination than others might be. Uh, but it was 50% further away, Monona tube was, than the, the existing standard. So the village isn't just talking about abstractions. These are, we never want to lose a well again. And one way of doing that is to, to die this conditional use permit. Now, frankly, it's none of the village's business normally what Madison does within its borders. Uh, so in this particular zoning category of NMX, there are over 70 permitted uses in Table uh, 28D2 and many more conditional use permits. So there's only one use that is any concern to the village, and that's this one, the gas station. So we're not opposed to development at this site. Almost anything else that would be proposed would, have, would certainly not have the, the village here because Madison and McFarland have been good neighbors. They've gotten along really well. There's no reason to think that wouldn't continue. And we, as far as I know, the village of McFarland has never objected to a conditional use permit in Madison before. I doubt if it ever will again. Uh, it, is, it is a matter of great significance to the village, and we don't want to interfere in Madison's affairs. At the same time, we want to keep our well safe. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Beckler, you, uh, you, you didn't register as having some connection to McFarland. But I'm the McFarland village attorney. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll just add that to your registration. Thank you. Okay, the next uh, registrant is Sarah Caillou, 5108 Rustic Way, opposed wishing to speak, to be followed by Evelyn Castor. Welcome, Hi, thanks. I'm here to present a petition that was signed by 320 plus surrounding residents who would be directly affected and are opposed to the gas station proposed um, on the corner of Sigal Cow and Freedom Ring. Um, we obtained these signatures over a period of about 45 days. And the petition reads as follows. Um, the proposed gas station will be built uncomfortably close um, to the McFarland's Wells site and concern of water contamination due to gas storage leaks. In addition, with the building of the gas station so close to residential housing, property value values will be adversely affected. Um, furthermore, an increase in traffic in the area is a safety concern for many families directly surrounding the residential area. And as many people have said, there are many other options for this commercial space that wouldn't have water contamination concerns, create safety concerns, and or change the overall aesthetic and character of this residential neighborhood. And I wanted to read a few of the comments. There were hundreds of comments by residents, um, and I just have a few that I'll read to you. Um, Ashley states, um, I see the gas station from about 75% of my, the windows in my home. I do not want the noise disruption. I do not want the odor. I do not want the light shining in my windows all hours of the night. I do not want to listen to the garbage being emptied in the middle of the night. I do not want to 
to risk um, the risk of gas leaks into our four retention ponds behind our home or in our water. I do not want to fight more traffic than I already do. Liz states, I am a parent and resident concerned about the type of activity 24-hour gas stations could bring to a quiet neighborhood, as well as the negative effects of light pollution and water contamination. Um, Mike states, I don't feel the health, traffic, or safety concerns of placing that type of business there are outweighed by the benefits um, of having yet another gas station located so close to McFarland. There are already four gas stations, as people have already stated. And Jan, lastly, um, stated, a gas station does not belong in a residential area. The character of the neighborhood would be changed drastically. Property values would drop. The noise would be disruptive. Um, so th again, these were only a handful of the hundreds of residents who wrote comments, which I have the petition and all the comments. Um, I and the 320 plus residents would urge you to deny the proposal and protect the residents um, of which can only be protected with absolute um, insurance by not having any gas storage tanks anywhere near the area. Thank you, Ms. Caillou. Are there questions? Absolutely. Evelyn Casta is the next registrant. Uh, opposed wishing to speak, I'm sorry, 4719 Valor Way, Madison, to be followed by Frank Casta, same address. Welcome, Ms. Casta. Hi. Uh, my husband and I live at 4719. I'm a semi-retired teacher. Um, I just wanted to tell you that from our house, I can see the four corners where Freedom Ring Road and Seagull Cow is. And then uh, Valley Drive goes off that way. And many times, sometimes it's once a day or more times a day, I hear sirens and I can go to my back of my house and look to that corner and I see lots of lights. Many, many accidents already occurred at that corner where the proposed gas station would be put. I have asthma. I avoid gas stations. And I chose not to live near one. Another thing that wasn't brought up and it seems insignificant to some people, but with increased lights in the evening, you have an increased mosquito population. We already live near the lake, so having the lights on during the evening would also cause that factor to occur. Um, Pat May had informed the Liberty Place neighborhood organization that she plans to oversee this for three years, but I'd ask Pat May what she plans to do after that. This is a big project, affects many families very deeply. I'd like to reiterate on one factor about the population of the many young children. I am in the neighborhood most of the days. We have so many children that are under 10, uh, young moms out with strollers walking their dogs, and I think the gas station would be um, not a good thing for that situation. My, my three grandchildren live right there in that immediate neighborhood. So I guess um, in closing, uh, thank you for hearing this all. It's a big task that's been undertaken here. I'm all for change, growth, and improvement, but I don't think this is uh, improvement for our neighborhood. And thank you for the time. Thank you, Ms. Casta. 
Someone you may know is the next registrant, Frank Casta, 4719 Valor Way. I'm not sure if he was going to speak or not. Well, he was registered. Uh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, then the next one is Robert. I'm not sure you're Nortine. Nortine, 5521 Calico Drive, opposed wishing to speak. Uh, you can correct the spelling when uh, when you get up. Ah, would never have guessed. Never have guessed it. Uh, thank you, Mr. Nolan. <laughs> I'm a retiree, uh, and it's also the correct pronunciation is Sigel Cole. Mrs. Sigelko would roll over in her grave if she heard some of these pronunciations. At any rate, I'm a retiree. My property faces Sigelko on one side, 50 uh, Calico Drive on the other side. And I just have a personal issue. As a retiree, most of my wealth is tied up in my home. And being two blocks from this gas station that I feel my property will be very devalued. And I think the property of many of these people live very close to the proposed gas station. The gas station is not close to a neighborhood. It is in a neighborhood, a residential neighborhood. I'm frankly shocked that it is not zoned strictly for residential. Thank you. Questions for Mr. Nolan, now that I can pronounce his name correctly. Thank you, sir. And finally, uh, Pammy uh, Sek Sek Sekow, uh, 2644 Granite Road, Fitchburg, in support. The applicant. Thank you for hearing me today. And uh, you guys have heard some really dire uh, these concerns that have come up from this site. Uh, uh, we'll start in order. First is why do we need a gas station over there? Uh, uh, last year, this has been uh, uh, in works for over a year now. Uh, tremendous amount of time, money, and energy has been spent on this project. There was a feasibility study done by strategy. Uh, by uh, strategic business solutions that identified the need for a convenience store gas station in this area. After the study, that's when the whole process of uh, uh, plans and everything got started. Uh, during this time, we have met with the neighbors, the city, the traffic engineering, uh, the urban design committee, uh, at least twice and taken into their comments and considerations to come up with a design that would uh, uh, best fit this area. And uh, uh, so like uh, uh, Steve had mentioned, so we redid the building, those fences, the landscaping, everything was taken into consideration. Uh, I understand the concerns of the neighbor. We, we are not there here to punish them and that's not the intention. Uh, I currently do own two gas stations that sit pretty much in similar neighborhoods. And uh, people value them. People with children come there. Children with bicycles come there. And uh, if uh, anyone I had uh, in our neighborhood meetings, I had mentioned if someone, <coughs> excuse me, 
if someone wanted to go speak to the people in their communities and ask about the kind of operations we have there. Uh, they are asset, people like them, we are well liked by the community and uh, uh, children come there, believe me, on bicycles many, many times. And, uh, uh, and it, uh, the part with it is when I mentioned the three years, the three years I mentioned was that I would manage it personally, not that I would own it after that. Uh, I may hire a manager after three years to run the operations, which we do at our other gas stations because it gets harder as an owner to manage everything. And uh, uh, even after that, any concerns are taken, very actively taken into consideration. And uh, uh, then finally I'm going to come down to the uh, safety concerns with the water uh, well number three. Uh, the Department of Agriculture that oversights the uh, issuing of the underground storage uh, tags, uh, they set a criteria and we very easily meet the criteria of uh, having those tanks at their location with the distance separation required. Uh, it, uh, uh, the state requires a 1,200 feet separation for single wall tanks and the 600 feet for double wall tanks. Can you summarize in about a minute? Uh, I have a lot of responses. Can I have just another, like, couple of minutes? Is that possible? Is it okay with everybody? Two minutes. Okay, thank you. Uh, so the Department of Agriculture has given us uh, the issued the tank permits for this particular location. Uh, some of the issues they were raising in the contamination in the 1980s. Most of the tanks used at those times were single-walled steel tanks. The technology has changed. We are talking 30 years fast forward. Uh, there are double wall fiberglass tanks. There's more active monitoring systems. Uh, there's uh, containment wells for any spillage. And uh, all those criteria are met. And we are using the latest technology for this particular site. Uh, and uh, regarding with the village of McFarland, I just feel that they are very unfairly targeting this particular location. Uh, currently, within the village of McFarland, uh, when they refer to the other gas stations, there's a gas station that says 1,400 feet away from their other well, which was built, I think, a few years ago. Nobody had concern at that time. Uh, anotherly, the, there's a West Shore uh, pipeline that brings uh, gasoline to the terminals in McFarland. That goes 700 feet from the well they're referring to. I don't know if they didn't see the location of the well to the pipeline when those things were agreed. And uh, and that's. Uh, uh, I, I just want you to take into consideration because I do feel that all the comments, though. Uh, there is, no, there is not any intention for us to jeopardize the safety or the water wells of any of the location. Uh, we do carry insurances. The state has very strict guidelines and oversight on any new, uh, all the gas stations that come up. And uh, uh, we, will, we are and we will be conforming to all of those. And thank you for listening to me. Are there questions for the, for the applicant? Alder Zellers first. Um, yes, I just wanted to follow up on the conditions that Alder DeMarb suggested, either with the applicant or the uh, other uh, per person who spoke on behalf of the applicant. Uh, sure. Uh, I do see the uh, 
the number one, if uh, the number of pumps to be decreased uh, to three from four, if that's the only thing that's going to make and break this project, yes, we can do that. Okay. Uh, we can decrease that. The fence, uh, eight feet is the maximum standard that is said. We were proposing seven feet. If, uh, again, as I said, if that's the thing that will make and break the project, yes, we can do that as well. Uh, adding extra trees, yes, it's doable. We can do that. It's, uh, as I said, we would like to make this a nice, clean, aesthetic site and uh, uh, not like some, you know, the images that were portrayed as of gas stations out in the, uh, you know, in the crime-ridden areas. It's, uh, there are beautiful gas stations out there that enhance the communities. So you um, and I, um, the fourth item was a reduction in the overall amount of pavement on the west side of the project. Uh, we had taken that into consideration and reduced some. Uh, so that's not specifically. Uh, uh, if Steve can kind of point out to that, we did take the consideration to that and did reduce that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else? Are you, are you done, Alder? Yes, I am. Thank you. Uh, Someone wants to see the uh, diagram for where the pipeline goes from the well. It's available as well. Okay. We'll see if someone asks. Uh, Mr. Rui? Uh, thank you. I'm not sure which one of you ask, and it's questions that pretty much have unrelated to anything I've heard tonight, which is probably typical of me. I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, the first question I've got, and it's either to you or... Uh, the other person I was with you. Yeah. Uh, the signing uh, by the driveway and Siegel call, that uh, appears to be within the, uh, the vision, uh, required vision, uh, coming off the driveway. Uh, could, you, could, could you explain that signing? Yes, the intent is to have a monument sign located near that drive on Siegel call. It's um, going to be at eye level. Uh, it will be uh, at eye level, but we can push it, certainly push it out far enough to get right it outside. Right now I know it's within the required vision, uh, vision clearance. The, the location of that is flexible. We can so have to move farther to the west. Yeah. Uh, the other question I've got is, uh, I know the bike parking looks like it's well placed, but it's something uh, we've been talking about in the committee is, are you willing to maintain the bike parking year-round? Such as snow removal in winter time. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rui. Um, Alder Demar, do you want to wait till after we get questions from the commission members, or do you want to speak right now? I just had a question for Pami. Oh, okay. That be, oh. Is that permissive? Always. Okay, thank you. Um, I had a question that came up today from one of my constituents, and it was on um, being able to shut off the gasoline and this um, about automatically being able to shut it off. Would there be an, an auto shut off on it if something were to happen to a spill? Would there be an alarm that would sound? There are auto shut-off switches that state requires to be placed outside the building, which are accessible to every person, and they're well-labeled and well-lit. And uh, uh, so they can just, if there's still, that's all they need to do is. 
during the at night when uh, there is no serv- a person on site uh, the pumps don't turn on by themselves uh, someone actually when they're using that TMD time they will come on and uh, in that cases the state always requires a person to stay with the car and you know like everyone sees on the gas pumps in the visible site and uh, if there is a and it also says right on the dispenser that the stop switch to turn off is located right within the side of the building. It says in the red on the pumps too. Thank you. Uh, Alder Carter. Yes, I think this is for Steve. Um, a couple questions I have is number one, I believe signage has to come back to the UDC. Am I correct on that? It'll be, it'll be approved by zoning. Okay. And if if it needed cap sign review, it could go to UDC, but it's going to be probably 95% chance approved by zoning. Okay. So the future parking, is is that going to be grass for now? Yes. Okay. And um, there was a suggestion of putting trees on the I believe the north side was that the north side Alder DeMar all the way around I'm trying to figure out a question regarding the landscaping you have to ask the applicant until we close the public hearing okay yeah your landscaping plan Yes, yeah, so with, with the landscaping plan, we did slide the fence on, on the north side of the property. Uh, we slid it farther south, and we added more vegetation uh, actually on both the north side of the fence and the south side of the fence to, to serve both uh, inside the, the station uh, bounds and out. Are you finished? And then one more thing is the... Um, is there a way to increase possibly the handicap parking? Uh, I think we could certainly increase it. Um, it's uh, right now it does meet all code requirements, but if that were something that was detrimental to to approval, then I don't think you would have a problem doing that. Okay. Alder Zellers? Um, yes, this is a question for uh, someone from McFarland, so it, it now is not the appropriate time for that. I do have a question before the public hearing is closed. Okay, uh, why don't you hold the question and we'll see if there are more questions for the applicant and then we can find someone from McFarland. So, uh, Ms. Berger. Hi, um, I just wanted to ask a quick question about the um, exit onto Freedom Ring Road. Mm-hmm. Um, is that was that something that was required by fire, or can you describe um, why you have an exit on Freedom Ring Road when um, some of the plans call for the majority of traffic to really be pointed toward? I always call it Sigel Cow, but I guess that's wrong. Sigel Cow. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I may, the the reason for the entrance on on both Freedom Ring and Sigel Cow is as the tanks do need to get refilled periodically, uh, there will be 
uh, semi-traffic, and there's essentially no way for a truck to come in off of Signal Cow Road and then turn around on the property. So the one of the main reasons was to generate an easy truck traffic through the site and back out without creating a safety concern and having trucks backing up and and particularly on the single cow. Particularly with the fuel tanker use. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So now I'm going to come back to Alder Zellers. And uh, you want someone of the, from the village of McFarland staff? Why don't you yes, throw out the question um, and we'll I'm, see who yeah. wears. The attorney? Um, I, I'm not sure, so I'll ask it and they can decide. Um, we heard that another gas station was uh, placed without objection, uh, 1400 I believe it was said, uh, from the uh, wellhead, and then um, the, a pipeline was approved without um, concern 700 feet. Um, from the wellhead, and I just wanted to find out if they could comment on that um, claim. You have to, please. Uh, not so much for us, but we're on television, and it doesn't work without the mic. Uh, I'm not sure where. Uh, can you remind us of who you oh, are? Oh, sure. My name is Brian Berquist. I work as the village engineer in McFarland. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, as part of the packets, the village had submitted a, a map for everyone's use. The uh, the outer circle upon each one of those wells is an 1,820 foot radius, and that is meant to reference the distance that uh, contamination site was to our former well too, which is now abandoned after it was contaminated. Uh, the star symbols are current gas stations in McFarland, uh, the nearest of which is uh, over 3,000 feet from any of the existing McFarland wells, 3,000 feet. Uh, the pipeline uh, referred to is an underground petroleum pipeline that does uh, predate our time and predate uh, Well 3 being constructed. Uh, it is certainly in the ground. It is approximately uh, 1,200 feet also from the from Well 3. Uh, I can certainly assure you that the village is not fond of the existence of that pipeline, uh, nor is it fond of the many large oil storage tanks that are uh, to the north and west of this well site. Uh, those are, are certainly risks that the village has inherited, that we've all inherited from past generations, and our desire is that we, we don't add another risk to pass on to future generations. Thank you. Uh, anyone else? Okay, thank you, sir. Um, at staff's suggestion, I'm not going to close the public hearing before we have questions of staff, just in case we need to come back and ask questions of the applicant or uh, some of the people in opposition. So um, I believe the rules allow us to do it, so we are going to do it. So at this point... Uh, uh, questions of staff. Mr. Shepard. I have a question regarding uh, traffic 
and there was a report in our packet regarding that. Could you just uh, summarize your comments in that report? Particularly, there seemed to be in that in your report um, there were comments about additional uh, cost. Uh, that the city may incur in terms of developing this property with a gas station. So, Mr. Chang? Um, uh, just a quick uh, summary on the, on the report. Um, first, a correction. Um, the traffic impact analysis study, uh, that's not, that was not done by the city staff. It was actually done by the um, uh, traffic engineering firm called R.A. Smith. Uh, so, so that's... Uh, uh, so one of the comments from um, um, one of the registrants says that's done by uh, by the city staff, so that's not correct. I just want to crack on that. Um, so based on the study, um, a minimum increase in traffic volume is expected uh, um, with a proposed development. Um, uh, the increased volume is uh, expected to less than 5% of the existing volume. And uh, from a study, the existing uh, geometry with a proposed uh, right-in, right-out driveway of single car and the full access driveway of Freedom Ring uh, will provide an acceptable, acceptable level of service during peak traffic hours um, at the intersection. That's for both AM peak and the PM peak. Um, with that, um, Mr. I think Mr. Saint Clair, I think, if I get them correctly, uh, he's, he he pointed out that uh, when when the consultant did the study, McAvan um, School was district was out, uh, which is correct. The data was collected on July 7th, so the school district was out. Uh, it's really hard to gauge the travel patterns of the 43 families that's attending the McAvan uh, School living in the neighborhood. Um, because uh, you know the, the the choice of transport modes, the routes, and timing is really hard to um, uh, to be judged afterwards. Uh, for example, some families uh, may bike or walk, um, a carpool, or drop the kids at the school on their way to work. Um, but uh, it's generally safe to say that uh, uh, it will create uh, more impact during AM peak hours rather than the PM peak hours because school starts at uh, uh, 8 a.m., around 8 a.m., and dismiss uh, before 3 p.m., which is well before the, um, the peak hour traffic starts. Um, according to a study, the intersection operates much better during a.m. peak hours than during the p.m. peak hours. So for a report that uh, um, we traffic engineering provided, the level of service we quoted were for p.m. peaks because that's the worst uh, time. Um, because the school dismissed well before the PM peak starts, the traffic impact on the PM peak would be minimum. Uh, for AM peak, there is still sufficient capacity available according to the study, so we are not very concerned about the impact of the additional traffic because of the families attending schools in McFarland, McFarland even if we just assume all the 43 families will drive the kids to, to school. Um, we do understand the concern of the neighborhood and appreciate the, you know, the input through the process. Uh, however, our understanding is that uh, um, the developer will not want to sit on this for another three or three months. Um, 
So we don't feel it's reasonable to ask them to recollect data and do a study again in fall when the school is in uh, back in session because it's likely to, found, to be found that uh, the additional school traffic will not create problems here. Um, in terms of the cost, uh, I assume uh, the question regarding uh, the recommendation from the consultant about the uh, widening the, the medium so that for left-turn vehicles from the south and from, from the north, uh, so they can, they can stage over there, so they can turn in two stages. Uh, for that, uh, you know, significant costs are involved and uh, also requires a uh, lot of collaboration with uh, the village of McFarland. Uh, because it, we likely we need to drive uh, right away uh, from um, both sides uh, in order to do that. Um, that's, uh, you know, most of the issue is already existing, so it's not uh, just because of uh, the development. So we feel um, it's not reasonable or feasible to ask the developer to incorporate this improvement with the project. Uh, instead, the city is requesting some uh, right away from the development along single call and along Freedom Marine for a particular project, future project uh, to widen the medium or to add additional lens at the intersection if we needed it. So that's my summary. Thank you. Ms. Berger, for, and for whom is your question? Um, somebody at the city, I guess I'm not entirely sure. I, I just, we heard some testimony um, from the village of McFarland that at least some folks were under the impression that the um, well was incorporated. Well, number three was incorporated to the Madison Protection, protection okay, Ordinance. You're, you're referring to the Larry Nelson letter? Exactly. Okay. I'm going to ask Ms. Vaughn to speak about it because we had a discussion with the city attorney uh, about that specific letter this afternoon. Sure Ms. Vaughn, you want to share with... Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, so that letter was drafted in 2004. Um, essentially, um, the city cannot legally extend our regulatory requirements across jurisdictional boundaries, um, especially without an intergovernmental agreement, which if we were going to do something like that, that's exactly what would have to be in place, and the village of McFarland would be party to that agreement as well. Since nothing has been in place and nothing was pursued on either end of the spectrum from the city or from the village, we're limited to the regulations that are on the books today, which the city has their wellhead protection plan, cannot be extended across boundaries without the permission of the village of McFarland through an intergovernmental agreement, which is certainly not in place today. And predicated on the village having a wellhead protection plan, which it does not. And then a follow-up question. Well, I assume we don't have somebody from the city attorney's office here tonight. That's correct. Just the people that play them on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody wants to comment, but on um, so we do not. It's not in the Madison ordinance, and there is no McFarland ordinance regarding the wellhead protection. And the state of Wisconsin, it sounds like this lies within the the boundaries. It's acceptable. It's under the state's jurisdiction. But, but uh, Ms. Berger, our review is is under our conditional use standards. Right. That's what you should be focusing on. All right. Thank you. Any additional questions of staff? Um, seeing that we left the uh, hearing open, are there any questions for any of the registrants? 
then I need to read into the record uh, the registrants not wishing to speak. Uh, Nick Vidura, 7780 Elmwood Avenue, Middleton, in support available to answer questions representing Pammy and Dilbar Tube. Sorry. Uh, in favor. Todd Walker. Uh, Todd Waller, I'm sorry. 6430 Bridge Road, Madison, uh, in support available to answer questions. If you want to ask questions to any of these people as I go along, not representing anybody specific, it doesn't say. Uh, Christine Gebert. 5301 North Autumn Lane, opposed, not wishing to speak. Bruce Gabbard, 5301 North Autumn Lane, opposed, not wishing to speak, available to answer questions. Ryan Rhodes, 4822 Valor Way, opposed, not wishing to speak, available to answer questions. Debbie Murphy, 5030 Eagles Perch Drive, opposed, not wishing to speak, available to answer questions. Abra Buchholz, 5148 Unity Way, opposed, not wishing to speak. Uh, Rebecca Hotinsky, 4723 Star Spangled Trail, opposed, available to answer questions. And finally, Josh Donat, 5148 Unity Way, opposed, not wishing to speak. Are there any questions for any of these registrants? Are there any questions for any of the other registrants before I close the public hearing? Well, then I will close the public hearing. Any final questions of staff? And then a motion would be order in Mr. Cantrell. I uh, move that this um, application be placed on file without prejudice. Is there a second? Seconded by Mr. Rui. Discussion. Ms. Cantrell, you want to go first? Yes. Um, I don't believe that it's uh, uh, compatible or consistent with uh, uh, standard number one uh, of the conditional use uh, provisions, which uh, talks about the the uh, establishment or operation of the conditional use will uh, not be detrimental to the uh, or endanger the public health, safety, and general welfare. I think that uh, a gas station here, uh, we've heard testimony that questions that, that, uh, that it may um, uh, impair public health and safety. Uh, condition number three, I also think that... Uh, the conditional use uh, may uh, impair the uh, uses and values and enjoyment of property uh, properties within uh, the area that are, have already been established. We have a residential area here uh, totally uh, surrounding this uh, uh, small uh, commercially zoned property. I think that uh, it, it uh, would likely impair uh, those uses. And also uh, standard number nine, 
which uh, speaks to the compatibility with existing or intended, uh, intent, intended character of the area. Again, I think that uh, a neighborhood uh, commercial activity on this site would be quite appropriate. Uh, but I believe a gasoline uh, service station, uh, a gasoline station as proposed, um, would not. Um, I, I think that um, the applicant has uh, done a, uh, a fair job of trying to mitigate uh, those negative impacts on the neighborhood. But uh, again, I don't think that uh, the the, the uh, the uh, conditions that they've uh, agreed to uh, place on themselves uh, does that. And uh, I, I would have to uh, believe that, um, uh, that the Planning Commission should place this on file. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Ruiz next. Uh, thank you. Uh, after I push a button, uh, Mr. Cantrell covered everything I wanted to say, so I concur, concur with it. Thank you. Mr. Shepard. Uh, yeah, uh, I concur with the um, placing this on file without prejudice. There also may be a, an issue in terms of uh, this project meeting standard number five in terms of adequate road access and that sort. Uh, there have been some questions, once again, brought up regarding that. So just like to make that statement. Thank you. Mr. Polevsky. I would also like to add condition five, standard five is not met in this. Um, I am, I think the wellhead production is um, very highly important here. Um, all the testimony from the village officials and Dr. Jock are um, very, very concerning. As this letter from Mr. Barkham from the DNR May 6th, which was not retracted by his June 10th letter uh, on the same topic. So I, uh, again, support this. One, three, five, and nine are not met. Um. I have to point out, I believe that the city attorney told us that um, as far as McFarland's wellhead protection, we cannot take action based on that. We can take action only based on our own wellhead protection plan and our conditional use standards. So uh, if you're... Do you need, if you need to revise your statement, I'm going to give you an opportunity, but if you find it doesn't meet those standards, we can just leave it as it is. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'm using the term wellhead as in the protection of public health, safety, and welfare and water okay. protection. The idea of a specific wellhead protection um, defined by statute wasn't what I had in mind. I had in mind protecting groundwater, which is a far more general topic. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for the clarification. Uh, Ms. Berger? Um, yeah, I, I will agree with my colleagues, um, in particular um, on approval standard number one. Um, it, we have heard a lot of testimony um, about that tonight, um, but I, I would also just like to put in a plug. It would be great if we could formalize um, some sort of intergovernmental agreement on how to handle these things in the future. It would make it a lot easier. 
Thank you. I think that's a very useful suggestion, and I'm sure staff will note it and work on that. Uh, anyone else on the motion, then? Alder King. So just very quickly, um, I, I really mine is really around condition number three, my opposition, not really one. Um, but uh, I just want to make it clear, because for the record, that unless, I mean, McFarland's plan commission operates differently, this isn't a, um, a, public, a popularity contest. Uh, I unfortunately, I mean, uh, we've had very difficult decisions where we've overruled, like, entire neighborhoods because of the consistency of a plan or other things that we had to bear. It was not because the neighborhood objected to it or the aesthetics of the building necessarily uh, and all of those other things. Um, but I am sensitive in this particular case. And by the way, we have residences abutting gas stations all over everywhere, including in McFarland. Um, so it does happen, and uh, people survive that whole thing. And most of the people abutting those gas stations use them all the time. Uh, so in this particular case, though, the chicken and the egg are reversed. And the neighborhood is already established, and it's entirely residential use. And unfortunately for the owner of the property sitting here in NMX, um, they have a big, huge menu they get to choose from, and they're going to have to choose a different one off the menu. Thank you. Anyone else? Alder Carter. I concur also, and specifically with that, they haven't met number three. Thank you. Thank you, Alder Carter. Anyone else before we vote? Then all those in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, no. It passes unanimously. I believe that concludes the business we have this evening. A motion to adjourn would be in order. Uh, moved by Alder King, seconded by Alder Zellers. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Okay, we're adjourned. <laughs>